This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And this is 51 First Dates, the podcast. That's about dating. about dating. The end. End of spiel. <laughs> when will I ever like do that and say something fun and random that's funny? You know, I always think maybe I will this time and then I just say the podcast about dating as though there aren't <laughs> thousands. No, this Ooh, is the only maybe. one. I'm pretty sure. Um, We're so glad you guys are here. We're glad you're joining us. We are glad you're listeners. We appreciate and love all of you guys. Um. We've had some really lovely chat in our secret Facebook group in the last couple of weeks that has just reaffirmed our love for all of you guys and your loveliness to each other on the internet. Um, and we have a great episode today. We're going to do a really quick catch up, consumption corner, etc. And then we are going to have a very excellent, interesting conversation with Laura Banky. I know you will all really appreciate what we talk about with her. She has an amazing story. She was a TV sports reporter for many years, then turned into an expectation-busting coach. Um, And, you know, it's all about women's empowerment. She is the founder of the Life Actually Company. Uh, Her story is really interesting. She was single until she met her husband and, you know, really – like Shaney Silver and a lot of the other amazing guests we've had on tries to get, you know, society, everyone, clients to just reframe what we're taught about being single and that being coupled is the goal and all of that. So I thought it was a really fun, fun, interesting conversation. She's amazing. Um, please check out her work. And, and yeah, this interview. I aspire to have like even just a tiny bit of her energy and vibe. I know those words are very annoying, but like that when I, after I talked to her, I was like, Oh, I want to like have this type of like outlook and positivity and like thoughtfulness around things. Um, yeah. So we know you're going to really love that conversation. Um, and then other business, please, as I mentioned earlier, join our secret Facebook group, follow us on Instagram at five, one for States pod rate, subscribe review. It really does help us get guests like Laura um and it takes like two seconds you don't even have to write anything if you don't want you can just rate us however many stars you want to rate us uh and you can also email us at f1firstdatespod at gmail.com yes send us your worst first dates send us your great dates your i guess your engagement stories since now we've (laughs) are we getting invites to the weddings just kidding just kidding um i just we want to hear more juicy deets about your love life so keep those emails coming we will always ask you before we read them um or if you email us we will keep them anonymous you can also post in our secret facebook group but liza you already did the business why am i repeating you Mm, i don't know because why not it's all good 
Um, we had a great convo with Laura, so we are going to keep our intro short, but we will do a quick consumption corner. Do you have anything you're consuming? Well, Liza, I had an interesting weekend where I was flying, riding solo. Jason Derulo. <laughs> um, I was, is that his song? Well, we'll hope so. Oh my God. Here's hoping. No it's Monday. Uh, I, yeah, I was not only, not only was day 13 out of town, but a lot of my friends who live in LA were all out of town at the same wedding, which I, you know, it makes, it makes sense. But then I was like, oh fuck, this is a weekend where I just don't have anyone to hang out with. So it was very productive. Um, in the daytime, you know, I did yoga again, Liza, you inspired oh me. God. I went back to Y7. I felt so good. I'm so sore today because I did it two days in a row, uh, I tried to eat healthy. That didn't go so well. And then I was really big on the gummy train and watching Bravo because I just wanted to watch Fuck. Bravo. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want a weekend like that so goddamn badly. I think I'm going to ha- hopefully have one next weekend and it's going to be blissful. And yeah. Yeah. Bravo for life. What did you watch? SLC? I caught up on all of them. I am so caught up on the housewives. And I won't keep saying that every week. But then I I powered through season four of Summer House. I brought up watching the show a while ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, let's do a quick intro. I'm blah, blah, blah. Not at all. I, but you know House, I want to hear Bravo it's, content. It's fun. I I just, Bravo does it like no one else. Watch What Happens Live is an, just an amazing, like the expanded universe of Bravo is really delightful to me. And I, Summer House is fun. I'm now on season five, which is, apparently is only available, I think if I, through my YouTube TV, but then they might take off the channel soon. I don't know. But I've basically gotten to the point where I'm putting up with a ton of commercials just to keep my, you know, satisfying the craving. So just started season five, which is supposed to be great last night. And I don't know. I'm in. I love watching people be good on reality TV and make me giggle. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, proud of you. Jealous. Cannot wait for that to be my weekend next weekend. It's going to be, yeah, going to be good. Gummies and Bravo. Um, Mine, I don't have a, I don't have like a ton, um, but I I did watch the season 41 premiere of Survivor last, like late last night and it aired last week. Okay. I mean, I've talked about this show on the podcast before, but I just am so... This show is so good. It's almost like what I want the Bachelor franchise to be in a weird way. Because it's like mind games, but you're supposed... It's like sanctioned mind games. The whole Mm. show is mind games. Like, that's the game. Like, it has nothing to do with being out on the island. It has everything to do with reading people and trying to figure out who's lying. It's like way more like Big Brother. I don't know. I've actually never watched Big Brother, so I don't know that. But it's just so fascinating. And Jeff Probst is the best TV host on TV. And there was an article in, about him in the New York Times. I saw um, yes. I thought of you. Just no one loves their job as much as that man. I think on the planet. I don't think any. The joy that he had. I got like emotional in the first like kind of cold open of, of the show because it was just him walking out of like the jungle. And he just looked <laughs> is like talking to the camera and he goes, hey there. 
we missed you. And I was like, I missed you, Jeff Probst. It's so, it's such a weird show for me to love. And every time I tell anyone about it, they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then they like inevitably kind of like it if they watch it. So if you just want to feel some joy, there's a lot of Survivor on, I think, Hulu, but also, yes, it's the the current season is airing now. And Jeff, the host, is just so happy to be there. And that brought me an enormous amount of happiness. I love it, Liza. I forgot. Yes, all it's a it's a moment for Survivor fans right now. I'm happy for you. Yeah, it was really nice. All thanks to Sarah Winter, friend of the pod. She is the one who several years ago when I had the flu was like, I was like, I need something I can just fucking just watch for five days. Like I was like was like super, super flu and I was knew I was gonna be out. I was like, what is some shit that I can just watch forever? I don't wanna I don't wanna run out of it ever. And she was like, watch Survivor. And it was like Thank, thank goodness. It really got me through some early pandemic feelings. Yeah, I feel like it was a lot of people's pandemic show. I watched one season. Oh, we talked about it. But it's I have had a terrible plague of not finishing shows, including those I'm really into and liking, unless they are mindless Same. reality. So it's a very weird thing. But anyway, I'm happy for all of the new newly minted Survivor fans, too, who I feel like discovered it during quarantine. And yeah, then, you know. Yeah, there's a there's someone playing now who discovered it during quarantine and was like, I just really loved it. And I watched come on. This is like so it's so fun. That's fun. That's fun. The excitement of the players this season too. All very good. But that's really like the only thing I consumed this week. Um I had a I had one of those like hellscape weeks, but it's uh it's ending and Bravo is in my very near future. Yeah. It's good to just lean in. To Bravo sometimes. Can't, can't wait. So yeah, good. totally. <laughs> <laughs> I would even recommend Summer House. I mean, there's like, there's so much Bravo. I, I you know, below deck Summer House. Now, I, from two years ago, if you asked me if I was like a big Bravo person, I'd say probably not. Like really respect kind of the brand. <laughs> but I don't know. Now I am fully in. I have never been let down by a Bravo show. I've never started a Bravo show and been like, this is boring. I'm going to stop watching. Every time I watch an F- one episode of any show on Bravo, I'm going to watch 10 episodes of that show. Yeah. The editors are brilliant. And Liza, you can let, let's let I want to I want to hear your feedback on that because I really feel like it's the editors that the general Bravo editors as a whole. Ugh, they're brilliant. so shady and I love it. So shady. <laughs> it's great. That's exactly why it's fun. It's like the editor is poking fun at these silly people who are also making lots of money to be on Bravo. Yes, they are. If you watched Potomac this week, unreasonably shady. But I will just leave that nugget for the two people who watched it. (laughs) Tantalizing. It's not. It's so silly of me. Okay. But that's cool. Um, Okay. This, you know what? Why are we wasting your your ear time? We had to do consumption. We had to do consumption, but I do think I was about to say, you know, what else could we talk about related to dating? But no, because we talked to Laura about dating and she's so wise. And I think we'll just bring a really refreshing, um, you know, I love her expectation busting kind of mantra. Yeah, just like we all need a reminder all the time that the narrative we've been fed is really, really weird when it comes to love and dating and relationships. So 100%. We know you guys are going to love it. We're going to take a really quick ad break, and then we'll be back with our interview with Laura Banke. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. 
making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Okay, we are so excited to have Laura Banky on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we really appreciate it and we're excited. Uh, oh, I'm so excited to be here. It's so nice to chat with you, both Kimmy and Liza. I've been looking forward to this, so I'm really excited. Yeah, we are excited too. I was just mentioning offline that I first kind of encountered your work through Shaney Silver, another beloved guest. I'm just throwing that out there for everyone. Um, this is <laughs> She's be the best. <laughs> she is the best. And this will be um, an equally great conversation. Really excited. Uh, and we're going to get into everything, all the things you do, lots of feelings talk, lots of empowerment talk, lots of expectation bu busting talk. But first, we always like to ask everyone, do you have a worst first date story? Oh, man. You know, I was thinking about this because you guys, you prepared me ahead of time. You let me know that this is going to be a question because I feel like, you know, the longer you've dated, the more you're like, okay, well, which one do I need to pick? So <laughs> I had some time to, I had some time to think about it. So I lived in New York for 10 years and seven of those I was single and dating in New York is special. Uh, I mean, dating, dating everywhere is special, but dating in New York is really special. And I was so, so concerned about being single in my mid thirties, so concerned about not finding somebody and what, 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 that I was doing so many things wrong. So I met with three different matchmakers. And the third one that I met with was, she was probably the best of the three in terms of like the, well, the first one was a, just a terrible human who essentially told you that if you were over 30, you had major issues that were going to have, give her a hard time in matching you. So uh. that was awesome. Um, but this third one, she talked a good talk and she, you know, we, we kind of hit it off when we met and I was like, this, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. And then she she sends me this text a few weeks later. She, she never actually set me up with anyone. She sends me this text and says, I just met your husband today. Your future husband was in my office. And I was like, oh my God. And I was in such a vulnerable place at that point that like saying something like that to me, uh, basically like I started planning my wedding. I mean, why, <laughs> why not? And uh, she told me his first name and that he was in finance because of course it's New York. He's in finance. Of course he is. And uh, that was all she said. And I responded and she didn't respond back. I was like, well, what's my husband is out there. What's going on? Well, fortunately his name was Fernando, which is not that common of a name in New York city. And fortunately I also had a very good friend who was an expert internet stalker. And so within about an hour, she found him and she found his email address. <laughs> and so I being the crazy person that I am, uh, I emailed him out of the blue and was like, Hey, we have the, a mutual friend. <laughs> she really told me that she thought we'd hit it off. He must've been like, where did this woman come from? <laughs> but yeah, he was like, cool, let's go out. So we, we, we went out on a date and, um, 
I, I should have known going in, like I was not setting myself up in probably the best way, uh, but I met him at a bar, well, a restaurant. I met him in the bar of a restaurant in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And he wanted to meet at like nine o'clock at night. And I mean, New York is a night owl city, but still it's like nine o'clock, weird. He then upped it to 8.30. I was like, okay, still fine, whatever. So I meet him. I'm in the bar sitting, he comes in, we, we start talking, I, you know, it became somewhat clear quite early on that he was not, he was, he was not in any way ready to settle down or even have a girlfriend of any sort. Um, but still, you know, it was fine. We were having a conversation. Well, all of a sudden a friend of his shows up and oh. comes and sits down with us. And I was like, well, this is weird. And he's like, oh no, we're going to have dinner. So he just came to meet me here. So he's participating in our date. <laughs> okay, wait, this is bizarre. Um, then meanwhile, two, a couple is leaving the, the restaurant and they have to walk through the bar. So they walk right by us and the guy knew Fernando. And so obviously stopped and started talking to him and they had just finished dinner. And he's like, oh, are you guys about to go into dinner? And I'm about to say, oh no, we're just having drinks. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm about to go in for dinner. I was like, wait, I'm not invited. <laughs> okay, cool. So then the, the date that the guy was with starts telling me all the things I should get that were really good at the restaurant that you know, she's like, oh, this was really good. You should do this. This dessert was amazing. And I'm like, cool. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so they left and friend is still sitting here with us. And about five minutes later, Fernando looks at his watch. He's like, well, I guess our reservation's about to, about to start. So it was really nice meeting you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you and your bro are going to go have dinner at the same restaurant that we are currently sitting in right now. Awesome. Um, so I was like, this is the weirdest situation. We like shook hands and I look outside and <laughs> it is pouring down rain in New York city, which it, of course it is. And no, I don't need to be taken care of, but still like, dude, you look outside and you see it is monsooning and you are sending me away so you can go have dinner with your dude friend. <laughs> and I was like, well, that pretty much seals the day. Uh, and so, yep, I walked out into the pouring rain, did not have an umbrella. Of course I didn't course. and got into a cab and I think I cried the whole way home. <laughs> oh my gosh. gosh. Needless crying to in a say, cab though is Oh, it's in New York. Like you gotta you know, do it. Yeah. That and crying in the subway. Like it just, it happens. Yes. It happens. Uh, but yeah, not surprisingly. So we never, we never spoke to each other again. I think it was mutual. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like it was for the best. Um, <laughs> wow, what a move. You know, sometimes we'll be, we'll encourage people to write into us, like who don't feel super motivated around dating or feel like it's going to take up their time. Like, you know, maybe make plans for yourself afterwards to like have something to look forward to or a friend. I don't know, but not like that. Not, not on within the, date. the same restaurant, <laughs> not on the date, in the date yeah. spot. Like, oh my goodness. Just we like, heard couldn't that you yet. have gone next door to dinner? Like, at the very least, make me feel like we're leaving at the same time. It was, yeah, it's yeah. awful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but my takeaway is that it was pretty badass that you were just like, cool, I'm gonna find this guy and email him. Like, that's <laughs> yes. such an incredibly yes. like confident power move. Like, that alone makes this a great first date story. Like, I appreciate that. I appreciate that that is your impression and your takeaway from that because I was really proud of myself. And then afterwards, I was like, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> I like, of course, like with that bravery and that like badassery, <laughs> that it turns out to be like not the greatest story. However, I still think the takeaway, you're right, Liza, is like, <laughs> no, do the thing. Life is short. Email the yeah. person. You know? Hey, 
I would have wondered, I mean, he was my future husband and I never heard back from that matchmaker again. So I would have always wondered, I, I, I needed to have a terrible date to know he that, that he was not <laughs> the guy I was yeah. looking for. And sometimes you do those things and it works out, you know, even yeah. if it's just a good date or whatever, you know, like one time I went out on a blind date with a, a guy, my mom, who my mom sat next to his mom at a wedding and they set oh, us wow. up <laughs> and I went on a date with him and it was a bad date. And I was like, Oh my God, I should never have done this. But it's like that just as easily could have been a good date. And then it would be like, Oh my God, our mom, you know, whatever. Totally. Just, you never yeah. know. You totally. never know. <laughs> and it's such a good reminder of like the stories we tell ourselves or, you know, other, you know, places have told us when it comes to love and romance and it will be this epic story and someone will know and there'll be a matchmaker then you'll find him it's like no not maybe not though like it's yeah you know Liza your thing too our moms met at a wedding and then we got together <laughs> oh my gosh can you yeah. imagine you know oh, it was not a meet cute yeah um, a meet cute thank you <laughs> yeah okay, okay. <laughs> so the other thing we always like to ask just at the top to give everyone kind of an a little bit of insight into you can you tell us a little bit about your relationship to relationships? And you can interpret that however, however you like. Yeah, that's, that is a really good question because I, I don't think that we often think of ourselves as having a relationship with the idea of relationships, but we all so have like a very strong relationship with, with the idea of being in a relationship. And I never quite realized just how influenced I was about how relationships are supposed to go until I was, you know, in my thirties and my mid thirties, just like completely struggling and miserable with being single and not understanding why, because I, I grew up in a family that was incredibly supportive. My parents were wonderful, happily married. I have a younger brother and they, <clears throat> excuse me, they spent all of their time, making sure that I knew I could do exactly what he did. Like there was not like one way that I had to go because I was a girl and he had to go because he was a boy. They just wanted me to be happy. I didn't have to get married. It was, it was great. It was a very empowering message. It was take care of yourself, be successful in whatever way makes you happy and the rest will go from there. So that's what I did. I, I focused on my career and I was having a lot of success in that career. And I woke up at like 32 one day and was like, wait a minute, this is not what I'm supposed, like something is wrong because while my parents were saying all of that to me, they met when they were 20. They got married at 23 and 24, had me at 27 only because it took them a little while to get pregnant. And the visual I had of relationships was so different than what I had been told. And I had so much more internalized that visual idea of relationships. And so to me, because I hadn't found that yet, and I'm already in my thirties, I'm already, you know, my, I was, I, I, to put things in perspective, I, and this is probably TMI, but on my mom's 40th birthday, I got my first period. That's how old I was when she turned 40. <laughs> and so here I am in my thirties going, I don't even have like somebody I'm dating. And I realized just how much my idea of, of a relationship was on this timeline of how it was supposed to look. And so I, thought there was something wrong with me. I thought that I was just failing that no matter how successful I was in every other part of my life, because I didn't have that one thing, then, well, what the heck have I been doing for my entire life? So I had not 
met, like I'd never had a relationship until I met my husband when I was 35. So it's not even like I could say, oh, there was the one that got away. So I feel like my relationship to relationships was this like weird, I'm supposed to have it, but I don't know how to have it. I don't even know what it looks like. And so therefore something must be wrong with me. That's basically it. Liza, do you, I feel like Laura and I, and I, I did know your story, you know, again, from, from me listening to you on other podcasts, but we have very similar situations, I think, when I actually hear you talk about your parents, because my parents met young, but there was never pressure on me to get married or bring a boy home. And I just, I had a bunch of half relationships until my first long-term relationship, which I'm in right now, which started when I was dating on this podcast. So <laughs> it's, I, I don't know, it's, I love the way you put it as like how you internalize the visuals because sometimes I still struggle. Like, where did this come from? Yeah, society, but my parents were great. And, you know, we all, there is this wild from what whatever source it comes from in your life, even if it's just you kind of absorbing it, it feels like this you're not good enough if you're not in a relationship just permeates. And again, that's what we love about your work so much. So many of the people we talk to try to flip that on its head as much as we want to say, also go out there and date. Like it's okay to want a partner. doesn't make you a bad feminist. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah. definitely. And I think about it, I grew, I grew up in the suburbs of, of Minneapolis and everyone, not just my parents, every adult in my life was married yeah. with kids. I remember when I was, when I was like four or five, we had a neighbor who her, the mom's sister was not married. And oh my God, I mean, I'm four or five, so I have no perspective on age. She was probably in her twenties, like probably, and who knows if she ever went off and got married. I don't know. But I remember my mom being like, oh, she's not married. And I, then I remember saying to my mom, so does that mean she's a nun? Like I didn't even know that being not married as a woman was an option unless you were doing it for religious reasons. (laughs) Wow. It's so yeah. funny because I I had a similar experience. My, my mom's a huge feminist, very, um, very into that whole like second wave feminism moment. I talk about it on this podcast all the time. But there was still messaging around, yeah, the one or two like single adult women that she had absorbed from her mom. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like we, it's very hard to escape. We are getting better generation over generation. But like it's very ingrained. It's still, you know, ingrained. I find myself I was talking about this on a really recent episode, like I find myself saying stuff to my, my little three-year-old niece that I wouldn't say to like my nephew. You know, it's just like, a, it's, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. So true. All right. Well, so Laura, let's jump into kind of your career path. It's a pretty amazing one. You know, you had a, a career as a TV sports reporter and anchor. You were highly successful. You are remain highly successful, but you're now this coach. You're an expectation bust, busting coach. I love that. Um, and, you know, help women, feel empowered. So tell us a little bit about your work and how you got to where you are today. Well, uh, I, I always had this idea of, well, first of all, I thought I was going to be in theater. I thought I was going to be an actor. And my parents were like, um, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, no, 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 it's totally going to work. It's totally going to work. Luckily I figured out on my own that I, nothing against acting. I just did not have the passion to actually pursue that as a career. And so I switched to journalism because I loved being in front of people. I loved being able to tell stories to, uh, you know, to, because I'd be a journalist instead of an actor, I could actually bring some of my personality. So I thought, um, (laughs) so I pursued, I pursued TV sports 
anchoring and reporting. And I loved it. I loved the challenge of being a woman in a such a male dominated industry. Uh, I started very, very small and I worked my way up. I made it to New York City where I spent the last seven years of my career. And um, I, I loved it for the most part. I absolutely loved it um, until I started getting a little bit older, a little bit more mature, a little bit more wise to, to how I actually wanted to show up in the world. And what, what I, what I realize now that I <clears throat> did not realize for so long is how much being in TV meant putting up this perfect facade because I was, I was on TV. I had to, I mean, and also I'm in sports. I'm in a male dominated industry. I'm in a, such a sexist industry in a lot of ways. Like I also had to look perfect. So the idea of having to look perfect then also went into my, I have to be perfect idea. Um, I couldn't make mistakes, but also like, I can't be the single girl who's never had a boyfriend. Like I'm like totally put together. I can't, nobody can know this. And so I had this, this was my like deepest, darkest secret. I was so terrified that colleagues, that viewers, that anybody would find out that not only was I still single, but that I had never had a relationship um, because we, society judges unfairly so much about a person's relationship status. And uh, I had internalized all of that too throughout my whole life. So I've spent 16 years trying to be perfect, Laura. And it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And I, you know, I started to realize that I, as much as I had enjoyed it, maybe I don't really want to spend my time talking to predominantly men. That's mainly what sports fans, uh, who sports fans are, and that maybe would be a lot more interesting and rewarding for me if I could start talking to women. And then I was like, but I don't even want to talk about sports anymore. I, and I don't get me wrong. I loved, I was, my life was sports. I lived it. I breathed it. I ate it. Like everything about my life was sports. And uh, it's funny now. I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, do, I don't care at all uh, because I just, I, I, as soon as I stepped out of that spotlight, I felt like for the first time I could actually be me. Uh, Cause here's some of the things you don't actually know about TV. When you sign it all depends on the station or the network, but pretty much at least when I got out of the industry three and a half years ago, pretty much the standard was you sign a contract so that your employer owns your voice, your face, your name, your likeness. Um, I tried to start a fashion blog, which had nothing to do with sports just because I was, I wanted to have some fun and they shut it down within a week because they hadn't approved it because it, I, I was, I was going to actually be Laura Banky not Laura Banky of that station. And that was not allowed. So for the first time in my life, all of a sudden I was like, wait, I can, I can see whatever I want. This is, what am I going to do with this? Um, mm -hmm. And so I started, this is around the time that I, I was engaged and uh, planning my wedding. And I, I started to talk to women who uh, I was just meeting. My husband had just started a job, so a new job. And so I was meeting some of his new coworkers. And there was a couple in particular who were in their late twenties, single. And they were asking me all these questions about the wedding. And then they started asking about, you know, how we met. And I found myself like actually telling them the truth and <laughs> telling them that when I met him at 35 and a half, I had never had a relationship. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, the, the connection that we actually developed because I was, I was sharing my, my truth and the, the honest 
honesty about what I'd experienced. And I remember one of them saying, oh my gosh, you give me so much hope. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was so miserable for so long. How does that give you hope? She's like, no, like seriously, the things that, that you are talking about and that you've been through. And it's like, it gives, it gives me hope and, and you need to write a book. And I was like, okay, no one's going to read that book. <laughs> but I, I started to realize that, hey, wait a minute. When I was single and I was struggling, the only things that I could find, the only resources that seemed to be available to single women, especially single women in their 30s, um, which should not matter, by the way. I, I mm -hmm. only say that because society loves to tell, loves to remind you how old you are. But the only things I could find were how to find a husband. And you're in New York City, the list of the top bars to go to meet a guy at happy hour, what you're doing wrong on the first date that means you aren't getting a second date, like all of these things that essentially not only told me I had to do something to fix myself, but also continued to perpetuate this idea that as long as I was single, there was something wrong. There was something that needed to be changed because I'm not supposed to be single. I'm supposed to be in a couple. So how to get into that couple were the only types of resources I could find. And I started, as I actually realized that, I was like, this makes me so mad. This makes me so mad when all I wanted, all, and I didn't even really realize it fully, but all I wanted when I was single was somebody to say, hey, yeah, this is tough. It's really tough when you do not have this thing that you so badly want and that you thought you would have and that it feels like everyone around you has, it is really tough. Like I didn't need somebody to fix it for me. I just needed somebody to see me and hear me and validate the experience that I was going through. So I, uh, I, I started out doing a fashion blog after leaving TV, thinking this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an influencer. I was terrible at it. Um, there are so many people who are doing it better. I was it just, and it wasn't, I wasn't even finding it that interesting. And I, I decided on the fashion blog that I was just going to start writing a little section about my relationship experiences, being single. And the first one that I did is when I admitted I had never had a relationship until I met my husband and I hit publish on that and was just like, oh crap, what, what have I done? <laughs> I just, I just admitted the secret that I have been trying to keep for my entire life. And I, I didn't have a ton of readers that I didn't, my, my consolation was, well, probably nobody's going to even read it. So you're fine. And by the end of that day, I had had three, received three different emails from women and which was, it was huge for me. Anytime I published anything, it was like, I wasn't really hearing from people, but I had three different women reach out and say, thank you. I have never had a relationship. And they ranged in age. Like I think one was in the early thirties, one was 40, one was in their mid thirties. I've never had a relationship either. And I truly thought I was the only one. And I, I cannot tell you what it means to me to read this from somebody else who's experienced what I have. And I was like, okay, all right, we're on to something here because nobody's talking about this stuff that we should be talking about. And so all of that kind of evolved out of the, the fashion realm and, and really like fully into embracing this idea of, I just want to be able to connect with women. I want women to know that they are not alone, that what they're going through does not make them weird. It does not make them different. It does not make them broken. And the best way that we can tackle the fact that 
we may have missed so many different milestones in our lives that we thought we were supposed to have, the best way we can tackle it is by sharing our stories with each other and being able to see how, how other women's lives have gone or not gone the way they expected. And because growing up, my only adult examples were married with kids, we have, we have a duty to share with each other our unique situations so that we can see there are so many other ways that lives, that happy and successful lives are lived. And the more we can talk about it, the more we can embrace our own unique timeline and our own unique story. So that's, uh, that's, kind of the long-winded version of how I got to what I do now. And so I, I, I work with women as a coach. Um, I, I don't like the term life coach. That feels, feels really like, I don't know, <laughs> there's a lot involved with that, but yes, I like to bust expectations. I like to help women, whether it's that you're single, whether it's that you don't have kids, whether it's that you haven't reached the, the point in your career that you think you should have all these ideas about the way we thought our life should go. There's, then there's, how your life actually goes. And so my company is the life actually company. And the, the whole point is that the power in our lives is actually in the actually, mm -hmm. all of the things that actually have happened. That's, that's where we, that's where our life really lies. Those are the exciting things that we should be encouraged to be able to celebrate, to be able to, to honor, uh, and to be able to be proud of. So that's, yeah, it's a little bit of what I do. I also host a podcast where women get to, to share their stories because again, I think the most important thing we can do is provide examples to each other of all the different ways life can go. So yeah. Yeah. It's so amazing. It's even just thinking about, you know, sharing that you've not been in a relationship. That is a really brave thing. Like I feel like I, I, scary to talk about anything related to dating and relationships. And I had that feeling on this podcast, but you know, I, I think just the idea of hearing you, hearing other people having, you know, being unhappy and single or, or having issues in their relationships, whatever it is, just feeling less alone is kind of that first step. And yeah. I love that. And it feels almost so simple, but there's not a lot of places to go for that kind of honesty around, especially feeling single and, you know, all the other messages we get around around feeling single. But I'm curious, you know, listeners really relating. They're listening right now. They're going to check out your work. They already feel less alone, I know, because you just shared your story. What are some other ways that kind of you navigated reframing those milestones or rethinking them? Kind of what other advice would you have? And it's definitely a process, but I would just love to hear more about that. I think the biggest thing in that is what you just said. It's a process. Mm -hmm. Um, and the women that I, that I work with I, a big constant reminder that I'm trying to give them is that the whole world of self-help, which again is another term that I don't necessarily love, but this whole, this whole world of, of working on ourselves and, and finding out ways that we can be happier and really giving ourselves the self-care and the self-love that we need um, to be able to find happiness and be successful in life. It's, it's not like a line that you just steadily keep improving and you get to this point and then you're at the pinnacle and now, oh, well, now I live this perfect world life of Zen. I, I, I love my life. I never have any doubts. Like that's just not 
realistic. And so it is, it is a process and there are days when we feel really good about it. And there are days where we're going to struggle and it is totally, totally okay to struggle. And I think that was a big thing that I had to accept for myself that I, in order to be a happy single person, it did not mean I had to be happy 100% of the time, just like now being a happy married person, like the relationship status doesn't matter. None of us are happy 100% of the time. It's just not possible, but you go on Instagram and you see a highlight reel and you see all of these things, these perfect moments that people are putting out there and it makes you feel like everyone else is happy all the time. And because you're not, there must be something wrong with you. But the reason that we, that we do this work, that we really try and understand how we feel and why we feel this way is so that we can help ourselves in the low moments is so that we can more easily get through that than maybe we would prior. And a huge, huge turning point for me. And this was after years of, of just really, floundering and trying to figure out how I was supposed to, I was, how, how I was supposed to find somebody like that was my whole focus. Cause you, you have to find somebody. The whole point of being single is so that you won't be single. Uh, I, I had to let go of that. And what I realized was, which is so much easier said than done. But what I realized was that I had been living my life believing that the only future, the only long-term future that I had involved a husband, a family, and everything that went along with it. So when I, now, and I sat back in moments of, you know, just relaxing and, you know, you, you daydream and you think about what your future is going to be like, that was my future. And I did, I, I had no clear, I had some ideas professionally about what I wanted to do, but it was, I was, those were all so secondary to this husband, kids, and that everything else would just fall into place. Like I had no other plan other than that husband and kids, but still everything revolved around that trips that I would take places that I would get to go where I would live, getting a dog, all of these things had to have all of that. And what I realized one day is, wait a minute, I have no control over so much of that. And yet I have pinned my entire future on something completely out of my control. So considering the life that I'm currently living, which is I'm not even dating anyone, I have not allowed myself any type of future that resembled where I currently was. So I had this idea of how my life would go. And then when I actually looked at where my life was and thought to the future, it was totally blank. I was not giving myself any sort of permission to dream about a life I had some control over. And so when I, when I started to give myself a little bit more grace to actually give myself permission um, to think about a future and to consider a future that didn't have the husband, that didn't have the kids, when I, when I had to confront my worst case scenario. And I use that with quotation marks because it's, it sounds so dire, but you know, my worst case scenario was I'm going to die alone. I will be alone forever. Well, I had to break that down and actually confront, okay, so what would it look like if I don't ever meet anybody? What will that life look like? And I was still alive. 
I, I, I still had potential. I still had my career. I still had friends. I still had family, still had an amazing apartment. I was still living in a great city. And so maybe that isn't the worst possible thing that could happen. And so I, I, I was, I gave myself permission to start planning around that. My brother and his wife had just had their first baby. I knew they were going to have more kids. I could move to be closer to them. They were in San Francisco at the time, which ironically now is where I am, but I could move there. I could be the best aunt ever. I could, you know, work really hard and save my money and move to a place that just, that just made me so happy. And I, I never had to worry about somebody else. I wouldn't have to worry about where somebody else wanted to live. If that's what I wanted to do, I, I could do it. I could, I could do that. And so I, I started like, envisioning and daydreaming about a life that I actually had some control over and the life that didn't involve the husband and the kids and that it wasn't going to be the worst thing ever. And not only was it not going to be the worst thing ever, there could actually be some really cool parts about it. Did I still want to meet somebody? Absolutely. But I started to lose this terrifying fear that if I didn't, my life was over. And just letting that fear go, or at least acknowledging that fear and kind of breaking it down, it's amazing how much better it made me feel about whatever might happen going forward. I love that because you really have so little control in this life, no matter when you meet your person or don't meet your person or, you know, it's, yeah. Totally. How did you, I'm just curious, like, I feel like when I was single I I was really wrapped up in like how I should message it to other people like Mm. I didn't do that important work that you did which was go through the process of being like okay how do I get like how do I get embody that like this actually can be my life and can be awesome like I didn't do that which would have been a great first step but let's say for a thought (laughs) experiment that someone's done that and they felt really strongly but they're still feeling a lot of pressure from external sources especially from I I think a lot of people feel a lot of pressure from their families and their Mm -hmm. parents and oh you're not bringing someone to Thanksgiving and all of that nonsense do you have any advice for like navigating how to communicate to other people that you're happy with being single and get them to leave you alone. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really great idea. Get them to leave you alone without actually like pissing everybody off and and losing friends and family in the process. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's really hard. And, you know, every situation is so unique. Um, One, you know, when people do ask the invasive questions, the, why are you still single? Maybe you're too picky. You know, one of the, one of the great pieces of advice that I have heard, and I think I originally heard it from Shaney Silver, who originally heard it from someone else, but it is, it is, I think it's a really good, uh, response to that, which is what makes you ask that? Or why Mm. do you ask that? You know, something that it kind of turns it back on them because when people are asking you these things, when people are approaching you this way, it means so much more about them and their belief system than it actually does about your life and how you are living it. People We are seeing this to such a strong extent today in almost all areas of life. People are having such a hard time accepting or even listening to the experiences that other people have had when those experiences don't look exactly like theirs. It's really hard for people to understand that other people's experiences 
don't always have to look exactly like theirs. So when people do pressure you, when they are saying these things to you, it's coming so much from a place of what they have been exposed to, what they think is normal. Um, and you know, it's, it can be really helpful, especially if it's, especially if it's your parents or somebody that you're really, really close to, um, to really take the time to think about where they're coming from, not to justify it because it's, it's annoying and it's hurtful and it can be really, really difficult to deal with, but to get an understanding. Why is say my mom approaching me like this? Why is she saying this? Well, maybe this is what her mom said to her. Maybe this is what she, the only option she ever thought she had. Maybe, you know, do you, you start to kind of understand maybe a little bit more where they're coming from, which helps you realize a bit more that this is so much about them and so much more about them than it is actually about you and your choices. Um, and, but yeah, it's, it's really tough and people have so many opinions that they, mm -hmm. that they love to share. Uh, and people are doing it for the most part because they want to help in their own weird way. So I think it's also really important that while we do have those types of relationships and those types of experiences in our life that we also need to be able to balance it with, with people and places and, and whether it's an organization, a group, whatever that actually provides the support that we need so that while we, we, we may never be able to get our parents to get off our backs or our friends or, or whoever it is that is, that is really challenging our feelings about, about our, our relationship status. If we know we have a place that we can go, um, you know, whether it is the work of people like Shaney Silver coming and reading the, you know, my work or even working with a coach, what no matter what it is, it's finding some type of support that, that actually gives you what you need. So you can kind of balance out some of the really tough stuff. Cause we're not, we're never going to be able to get rid of the tough stuff. Unfortunately, I would like to think that society is changing, which it is, but it's a slow process. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, yes, God, so, great wisdom, of course. But I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking about how, how I wish I had heard everything you just said when I was single and fielding questions and, and almost thinking back and, or thinking to now, sometimes people just want to help in their own weird way. And I think sometimes people also are just really curious and maybe like didn't get the chance to even flirt with the idea of like having a fulfilled single life because that's how archaic sometimes the messages we get are. So they're like, you know, asking questions out of a, not an envy or a jealousy, but a curiosity. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Some people uh, do look at it like that. And I'm like, well, I'm not a zoo animal. So, you know, it's not fair. like, <laughs> not but I, I, I get it again. It's it, when experiences do not mirror your own, some people yeah. have a hard time grappling with that. Yeah. Um, but also let's stop asking people why they're single. Jeez. Seriously. We it don't ask 25. you why you're married. Like, no, seriously, I know, no, I know. And I want to, a lot of marriages I know, I'll be like, <laughs> right? why are you guys married? You don't like right? each other. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I've been married three, almost three and a half years now. And I have never once had somebody say to me, so why are you still married? <laughs> Ever. Gosh, it's such a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. Let's just start saying that when people ask why, why exactly. you're single. Exactly. Exactly. Why are you married? <laughs> Same thing with kids. If people ask, well, why don't you have kids? Why do you? Like, come I on. Mean, yeah. No Again, one asks that. 
A question I have, though, sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, that seems so difficult, you know, but also lovely. Um, before we go, I, you know, we we love debunking dating roles in this podcast. I'm thinking of all this messaging we just heard from you around being single, but, you know, sometimes single gals like to date as well. When it comes to dating, what are, like, some of the dating rules you just top of mind wish oh. people would throw out, especially if they're coming from a place where, like me, when I started this podcast, I had never done a ton of actual dating, like going on first dates. I hate rules in general. I hate yeah, all of them. Um, I actually have, you. <laughs> I have a an anti-dating guide, dating guide, because I was so sick of people putting out dating guides that were like <laughs> these one size fits all, this is what you do. And in six weeks, you'll find a husband or, oh, you haven't found somebody yet. Well, then you're doing all these things wrong. So I was like, you know what? Screw the dating guides. I'm making an anti-dating guide, dating guide. So I have that free if anyone's interested in checking that you out on my it. website. Yes. But I think my very, very least favorite is any type of rule around how a woman should show up early on. Like you should not make the first move. You should mm. not ask someone out on the day. You should not respond to a text within X number of minutes or hours or whatever. All these ideas of how you should let him take control. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> If that's your personality, if that is what speaks to you, and that's the other thing about the rules, if, if, a, if a certain rule speaks to you and it actually feels right to you, awesome, embrace it, go do it. But that does not mean that everybody has to follow these steps to get there. And when it comes to this idea of letting him take control and just sitting back, if that is not who you are, well, then who is he falling for? If that is what he likes, who is, so then one day you're going to wake up and be like, actually, I'm pretty damn assertive. Um, mm -hmm. And so I really actually want to start calling some of the shots. Like, is that what he wants? Why, why do you want someone to fall for the you that's not actually you? And when I was dating my husband, I had uh, one of a, a very, one of my very best friends, I adore her. I love her. She's wonderful. She's so well-meaning. She would give me tons of advice. She got married, you know, much earlier than I did. Um, she would give me tons of advice around, Ooh, well, don't tell him that yet. Ooh, don't do this yet. You just, it's too early. You just have to play it cool. And I was like, you know me, have I ever played anything cool in my life? Like my girlfriend internet stalked a random dude, a matchmaker told me about, <laughs> and I, I emailed him like that. <laughs> that's who I am. And, uh, thankfully I ignored most of the things she said when it came to that. And when it was with my husband, if I was concerned about something, if I wanted to see him, if I wanted to talk to him, I did not keep myself from doing that. And so he knew what he was getting. And it turns out he appreciated that. And there were also plenty of guys that I would do stuff like that too. And they didn't like it. That's not my person. That is definitely not my person. So you don't have to change. In fact, please don't change anything about yourself in the early stages of dating because you think it's, it's the rules and that's what's going to make it progress to the next stage of dating. Because if the person doesn't vibe with the real you, you don't want to be with them. You really, really don't want to be with them. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's where I think the rules do the most injustice is, is it doesn't, it doesn't encourage you to be yourself. And if you're going to spend the rest of your life with somebody, don't you want them to be with you 
because of who you actually are? I, I, I do. I definitely do. Yeah. And it's going to come out eventually yep. and you'll save yourself some time. No, it's, it's again, yeah. great reminders. It's like, why does this, it's like the messaging we've got makes all of these, you know, simple truths that make so much logical sense, you know, they, they feel so difficult to actually internalize, but Ugh. then to your point, like hearing you speak about them so eloquently, I'm like, yes, of course, we need to like just keep <laughs> campaigning. Sometimes when I'm like, what are we doing with our, our podcast and our little community? It's like, because we need to keep hearing all of these messages because it's tough out there. Agreed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we keep Laura, talking. Yes. Keep talking. Yes. <laughs> Lori, your work is amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to link to everything, um, but do let everybody know where they can find you if they want to reach out or, or just uh, follow you, you know. Thank you so much. Well, I am, uh, I'm on Instagram. It's at Laura B. Banky. The last name is B-E-H-N-K-E. I also have my website, laurabanky.com. You can find much more on my coaching there on uh, the, like I said, that free anti-dating guide. Dating guide is there. Uh, just any, any more information that you might want. You can connect with me through Instagram. Send me a DM. I check those. I respond to those all the time. Uh, and and then my podcast is called the life actually podcast and you can find that wherever you get your podcasts and again we're going to link to all of that below and laura thank you so much we so appreciate it thank you liza and kimmy this was wonderful thank you thanks to state farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.